Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Marshall? City in Ruin, are you there? Yo, yo. How you doing, man? Marshall, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're kind of breaking up, man. Do you have, um, I should have messaged you this. Um, are you using like a pair of like Bluetooth headphones or like some type of headphone with a, with a microphone on it? Uh, I've got you wired into the studio setup. You want me to disconnect that? Uh, I can just go through my regular phone mic if that's better. Yeah, if you want to try that, that'd be cool. Let me try it. So hang All right, on. cool. Let me just unplug it. Is that better? Oh, that sounds a hell of a lot better, yes. Okay, cool. All right, so we have uh, we have uh, Marshall Arnold on tonight. Marshall, uh, I'd like to introduce you to City and Ruin. Uh, his name is Zach. Hey, Zach. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's going on, man? And uh, Zach's like my sidekick, partner in crime kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard a few of the shows. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, be before we get started, uh, I'm going to actually just start this off with this is uh, Echo, Cast, Echo Craft presents Echo Cast. Uh, we are a podcast that talks about synthesizers, uh, synthwave music, music and technology, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. So, how are you, man? Hey, good. Nice to talk to you. I know this is awesome. I usually, you know, just kind of like text you back and forth through your know, uh, YouTube and stuff. And uh, I'm yeah. really honored. I'm honored to have you on, dude. Well, I'm honored to be on. This is really cool. I don't think I've been on someone else's show before. Oh, so. that's awesome. <laughs> First time. So before we get started, also, I just would like to, you know, let everybody know Zach loves when I do this. Oh, no. That I just <laughs> cracked open a sparkling ice black cherry. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't wait till they finally call you, so I just don't have to hear it. Well, be, that would be nice, because if they if they do, I get cases of this stuff. It rocks. Um, if you haven't tried one of these, Marshall, they're amazing. Um, it, all it is is, uh, I believe it's just, well, it's got antioxidants in it and vitamins and stuff. It's very good. Okay. Um, yeah, you got to check it out. It's probably mm. really bad for you, actually, because it has aspartame in it, so. Oh, that's okay. I'm a diet soda fiend, so I I drink plenty of aspartame. Oh, you'll probably dig this then, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. So um, well, uh, let's get started. And I I just want to start off with um, why don't we uh, why don't we start off with? I know this is about synthesizers. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is. How long have you been in the music or a synthesizer business? Or let's talk a little bit about you. Let's let's hear what you have to say and about uh, what you've been doing. Sure. Um, well, I didn't, I didn't actually get my first hardware synth until 2006. But previous to that, way back in 2001, I was really interested in getting into electronic music. But I was, like, super young and poor. And uh, <laughs> I I found like this um, $50 music tracker that had a built-in synth. And that's kind of how I got 
started with everything and that kind of sparked the imagination and from there just you know it's been like a snowball that's awesome yeah yeah it's a it's addicting yeah big time yeah so um that's that's interesting i i because the funny thing for me like with synthesizers is uh it's it's weird man it's like the first time i ever heard a synthesizer i was just like wow like what is that i need to have that you know yeah it's funny because when i was when i was real little you know driving around my parents driving me around everywhere i remember listening to the radio and obviously in the 80s there was a lot of new wave and synth pop stuff like that a lot of electronic elements in music and i remember thinking that was the coolest sound like i thought it was cooler than guitars or anything so I, I always kind of had a fascination with the electronic sounds that I heard in music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm an eighties child too. So I remember those days and everything on the radio, even if it was like share on like Friday nights, she always had like, you know, some like uh, electronic elements. I mean, everyone kind of did back then. It was great. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped that it's coming back in this people like yourself and you know me and jay and everyone else around that's actually kind of keeping it alive and i, I like how it's come back and where it's come from yeah it's man been... it's go ahead go ahead man oh sorry yeah i was just i was just gonna say like so it's kind of funny because it was big in the 80s and then it kind of went underground i think for a while and a lot of the uh the rock music and just pop in general was was didn't seem to be as heavy on the synth stuff you know and then, I don't know, probably, I don't know, when would you guys say you kind of started hearing it come back in vogue? In I, uh, I got to be honest, like, I mean, I've always kind of listened to electronic music, but like, I think it was a couple different things. I think for sure it was, uh, I think, you know, this is probably one of the most obvious answers, but I think Stranger Things really brought it back. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back a little further than that, even. I And I, I agree with you. I think that I think uh, shows like Stranger Things, um, you know, the guys in Survivor are amazing. Um, and, but I'm going to go further. I'm going to go a little further back than that. I mean, it did, in the 90s, um, mid-90s, it, it read its ugly little head again. It kind of up came up from the underground again. And uh, it, it was kind of like, um, there were a lot of very interesting bands. I mean, you had Apex Twin, who kind of came out around then. And, you know, a lot of people came out around then. But it wasn't like main. As long as you don't say Aqua, if you say Aqua, I'm hanging. <laughs> no, <up>. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 weird, and 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 I think it ran its head for a while. I used to um, I used to go down to a lot of the clubs in Boston, and um, I've actually had some of my music had been played in in um, one of the clubs it was called Avalon back then. Um, but you know. It, it it turned into and I you know I don't mean to offend anybody out there but it turned into like this Euro trash sound uh, where it was just it was all about just dancing it was you know it, was, it, it became like the modern disco um, yeah yeah you know yeah. with no lyrics you know um, and then it went like you said Marshall it went underground again you know um, so it's just it's just kind of interesting you know but then there were these bands like you know you had Skinny Puppy and you had uh, Nine Inch Nails and uh, you had these bands that that morphed into that like industrial sound that kind of kept the synthesizers hot beating, you know, um, because back then, I don't know if you remember, but there was a lot of like interesting synthesizers that came out back then. Um, 
in the digital sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember there was a lot of people running around, you know, that were analog purists um, that really, you know, uh, they, they were kind of like, you know, the ones who were saying, you know, no, it doesn't sound like that. It, this is what it's supposed to sound like. And, but the problem again was analog was so expensive and, you know, the, the greats like Moog, uh, well, Robert Moog, he didn't even have his company at that time. Uh, he had sold it. Um, so yeah, man, I, 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 I want to say that it's, it is starting uh, Synthwave has come back the 80s Synthwave sound, which I'm really happy about. Cause mm-hmm. I dig that stuff. I think it's the coolest Scandroid, stuff. baby. Scandroid. Scandroid. Oh, I mean, yeah. Do you listen to Scandroid, dude? No, I have not heard of them. Oh, it's Clayton from uh, Cell Dweller, or he has a couple other bands, but it, oh my God, Circle of Dust. Yeah. Is, one of his projects is Scandroid, and he's incredible. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Them and Gunship, too. Oh, sorry. Jake. No, it's okay. Yeah, Gunship's amazing. Gunship is like probably without a doubt my favorite electronic slash like electronic music with like a singer in it i just think like that girl has like a haunting voice and i'm all about that yeah i mean marshall do you do you listen to any of like i mean like well first of all clayton uh clayton you you've probably every single movie and video game that's been made since i'd say the late 90s, early 2000s up until now has had at least one Cell Dweller track in it. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, how... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't know it by name, but yeah, probably something. And if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, wow, crazy. Yeah, if you, if you go onto his website, man, um, when you get a chance, um, just look up Clayton Cell Dweller. Um, Clayton with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... Just read his Rasta. Uh, it'll blow your mind. I sat there and went, yep. oh, my God, I played that video game. I'd be like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I saw that movie. You know, um, yeah. he actually he just did the the, uh, the last Transformers movie. He actually scored a lot of that soundtrack. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, he's somebody to be, you know, to reckon with because he's just and he's a great guy. Like if you see him talk or interview to something, he's just a normal dude. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like you, that's why I was psyched yeah. that you came on the show. <laughs> well, we're all we're all normal in a way, I guess. Other than we have this uh, this attachment to these machines that we love. True, true. Yeah. Your um, videos, I, I enjoy watching your videos, dude. That's one thing. Your videos are very informative. Um, uh, I I also I'm not a I, I was going to bring this up to you too. I'm not a big um, Ableton Live guy. I'm a, I'm a Logic guy, but. Uh, um, but I don't know. Did you see this? This just happened recently. Um, Ableton, uh, just released creative extensions. Yeah, I saw some of that. I think that has, that might have something to do with their acquisition. Of, uh, what is it? Cycle, cycle 74, the company that was, um, the makers of the max for live stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, and, and the max for live aspect of Ableton, like just, expands the capabilities of that DAW like beyond almost anything it's crazy so when i saw that they had picked them up i was like oh this is going to be crazy now because they're going to integrate even more of it into the platform because yeah I, I think it was like its own programming language yeah uh, sorry I was go gonna, no i'm sorry because max for live um uh, that was one of the things that nick bat on sonic state constantly uh pushed 
Um, one of the things was the delay reverb thing. I don't know if you ever had a chance to play with it. I, again, I'm not an Ableton guy, but I, I, people that I, that I know that use it will like blown away by it. They're like, this thing's incredible, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't try Nick bad stuff, but I have played around with all kinds of Macs for live stuff. Um, it's crazy because you can even stuff that even doesn't even really have to do with the, the music. You can incorporate video and process effects and do all this crazy stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really cool. I, I'm, I was, that's why like, and you know, man, I've always wanted to dabble in Ableton. Um, and I just, just can't, I tried and I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was just like, I don't know, maybe cause I'm just old school. Like, you know, I'm, I use, I use logic like a tape machine. <laughs> right. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I would say, like, so my my background again. I started with a MIDI tracker, which was just a. I can't believe I was able to make anything that sounded halfway decent on that, but I did. And then I picked up Reason when it was like Reason two point five. Oh I, I, yeah, I liked Reason. Reason was cool. Yeah. So and then I was with Reason until about two thousand or five and i went into pro tools because that was everyone was just talking about pro tools pro tools pro tools so i picked up pro tools and i had used that until actually not that long ago maybe four years ago i started using ableton so it's definitely a different way of thinking i think um but you can you can use it like a traditional daw um although i i tend to use it probably kind of in a weird way where i i build tracks with um clips and then setting up scenes and then creating a composition out of that almost like the old school trackers again right right yeah so that's kind of how i i build stuff in there but you can use it like a traditional doll though i find it a little cumbersome especially when you're working with audio but it's probably just because i'm not as familiar with it so usually when i'm editing audio or if i have to record like a vocal or something i'll usually do that in pro tools and then bring it into an ableton project yeah, that's that's interesting because I've actually heard people talk like that uh, about uh, either using Logic or Pro Tools to do their audio and then bring it in. Yeah, um, I think it's just easy. I, yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird because I've I tried the traditional way when I had Ableton Lite on my machine. I tried to uh, basically um, just I want to, I was kind of like, all right, let me, let me see if I can just lay down a, a keyboard track really quick. Um, and, and I, I, I sat there and I go, am I doing this right? Like I couldn't arm the track. Right. And then when I thought the track was armed, it wasn't. And I'm like, <laughs> it's true. Cause you do have to like hit record in like two different places to actually record anything. Right. It's like me with Fruity Loops dog. I don't understand anything about that. Yeah. Fruity Loops. Um, Funny thing about that, when I was when I was thinking of where to go, when I got a little bit of cash and I ended up picking up Reason, but I had looked at Fruity Loops back then, and back then it was not what it is today at all. So right, that, right. that that whole thing has really evolved, and um, it's funny because I I think I talked some mad shit about Fru- Fruity Loops on one of my old old uh, synth demo videos, and man, here we are like ten years later, and You've got like a VT using it and some like big time people use it. Yeah. It's definitely well, coming like, way. Yeah, man. We talked about that in one of the podcasts where we were just laughing. We we're like, I remember when Fruity Loops was free. You know what I mean? And and, <laughs> and like now, like the 
the the top of the line uh, Fruity Loops is like eight ninety nine. Yeah, know, it's with all yeah. the other ones, you know. Yeah, it's really expensive, and I was like, Jesus! I'm like, I go, what is this thing having? It it better be like like Pro Tools or Logic or like you know, it better be like Digital Performer or one of the big guys. And from what I understand, it is um the the guy that I live in a small apartment building, and uh the guy that lives upstairs from me, my friend Dean, he uh he has it on his his pc he built his own pc and i started playing with it and i'm like and he's got the pro version and um uh, i'm sure he didn't pay for it um uh, but uh <laughs> he he was i was playing around with it and i was like this is pretty cool you know what i mean yeah. um it comes with a lot of stuff like in the box like you know stuff some of the synth sounds were great the drum machine was really great um I mean, he just he just kind of hacks around and, and uh, he's a musician, but his main thing is is um, is computers. But, you know, I played around with it and I showed him I actually showed him how to use some of it. And he was like, oh, that's cool. So that's how you do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, most DAWs are pretty they're pretty self-explanatory once you've used one. But it, it would like you said, with Ableton, it's a little different. It's definitely laid out different what i do like about it is the fact that it is a lot lighter uh design as far as gooey and stuff goes it's not mm. uh it's not gooey heavy at all which is isn't going to tax your graphics card or your processor you know yeah it's uh it's fairly minimal i guess with the interface um because i know with like since we're talking about fruity loops for example you can get in there and do all kinds of craziness and not that some of that's not possible with an Ableton, it's just, I think it's the, it's just a cleaner interface overall. You don't have 20 different like windows everywhere, you know? Right. Right. Like I remember in Fruity Loops back in the day, you used to be able to get like this anime dancing girl that would like pop up on the screen. <laughs> I could like never get rid of it. I used to get so bad. <laughs> well, that was like the assistant paperclip in, uh, in, uh, what was it? Um, Oh, Clippy. Clippy. Yeah, Clippy. <laughs> I hated that thing, man. Listen, nothing was worse than the, uh, remember that thing, the grape ape? Oh, yeah. The purple ape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, you're making me feel old. That's that's old. That's yeah. it's funny, though, man. That's when it all started. You know what I mean? It's like. Dude, I, almost put, I almost put dynamite in my computer. <laughs> the stupid purple ape off my screen. That, oh, that's funny. <laughs> um. So, so what, so what else? I mean, I know that, you know, I, I, I'm definitely a, a frequent flyer on your YouTube uh, channel. Um, what, what made you want to do that? What made you want to get into, uh, you know, doing demos and showing people stuff like that? I'm just curious. Cause I, I, I have a YouTube channel. I'm trying to get that thing launched and, and been doing it for a while, but I know it's content, content, content. So I'm having a little struggle with that with a full-time gig, but, uh, yeah. you know, so what, what made you get into it? Well, so probably back in 2008 or 2009, I started really kind of dicking around with trying to figure out how to stream video over the internet. Okay, cool. It, it kind of started with audio at first actually. And so I fit, I built like a streaming server and did some other stuff for audio and then kind of incorporated video using um, uh, Winamp, actually. They had their own, like, extension that would run on ActiveX, and you could stream video that way. I remember that. Yeah. 
So I figured wow. out how to get that working way back then. And we started doing like a little um, fantasy football league podcast type thing that we just did with our friends. And it, I guess it wasn't really a podcast because it, it wasn't published anywhere. We just do it live with each other and our, have our friends watch us, you know? Right. And yeah. So from there, I started kind of thinking about doing podcasting and I did, I tried doing a couple of podcasts about some other stuff. And, uh, I got the idea to do a game, like a video game podcast about Halo. Cause I'm a big Halo fan. So I, I had my friend come over and we, we started recording video for Halo and we posted that on iTunes and that was semi successful for a while, but um problem is when you do stuff with other people sometimes they get tired of doing it and then you're kind of right you know, right up the creek so youtube i had posted a couple of videos a long time ago just making um kind of demos of a couple synths that i had that i was trying to sell actually on ebay and they did like really well for back then like hundred thousand plays all this kind of stuff and they weren't really wow they weren't the best in terms of production value but I think at the time, you know, that was kind of a new thing. And again, I was just trying to sell a synth and I would make the video and put it on my eBay listing so people could see, yeah, it works and here's what it does and here's what it sounds like. So, I don't know, eventually uh, my buddies, uh, we, we did the, the podcast stuff for quite a while. We did a Halo show and we did another one called um, Console Nerds for a long oh, time. that's awesome. Yeah, and we we did those. We didn't put them on YouTube though. We put them on a uh, blip.tv if you guys remember that. So that was, Oh my god. Yeah, that was like kind of like an early version of like Twitch, wasn't it? Oh, kind of. So fucking old. It was like you could at the time the reason why we did that is cuz our our show format would go like 30 minutes to an hour. So you couldn't post that that long of a video on YouTube back then. They limit you to 15 minutes. Wow. So so we would post it on there cuz you could post as long as you know the video had to it could only be a certain size i think but the the duration could be unlimited within that that size of the video so that's kind of how i got into doing all the video stuff and then after a while all that stuff kind of died off and i'm sitting here with all this gear and stuff and it's like yeah i'll just, yeah, I'll just start doing some stuff on my own and do this youtube thing and uh, so I gave that a shot. I started kind of pu publishing regularly about a year ago, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. So that's kind of how that whole thing got going. Let me ask you this. Did you sell the synth or did you keep it? <laughs> uh, I sold it. I sold it. It was an SH-201. And that was actually my first synth ever. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sold it. Yeah, and the guy was all super excited. I think I did that with a couple of different synths. There's a Nordlead 2X oh. and a Nordlead 3, I think. So if you look back on my channel to like uh, my oldest videos, those are that, that's what those were. Oh, I'll definitely check them out. Yeah, that's it's cringeworthy though. Yeah, it's 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 not the best thing ever I did, but uh, yeah, I saw people in that. And I've always had a big interest in, in music uh, and synth synthesizers. And um, so I figured I got all this knowledge and know-how how to do all this video production stuff. Like maybe I'll give that a, a shot on YouTube some more. So yeah. I mean, you do doing. some cool stuff, man. You, you know, you had, um, you have a green screen thing going on. And, and uh, I, yep. the first, the first time I saw you, I forget what video it was. That I was kind of trolling around on YouTube, just checking synths out and stuff, and I forget what it was. What you would, you would post it, and I see, 
Yeah, I see this big M and I see this like lights and stuff behind this guy when he's got this baseball hat on and I'm going, <laughs> what's up with this dude? Right. So I check it out and I, I, I heard you talking and stuff and I, and, and it was awesome. I was like, wow, this guy's somebody I'd watch, you know? Uh, and I immediately subscribed to you, man. I was like, this is awesome. You know, um, Ooh, cool. I, I'm trying to think of what the synth it was though. Um, I can't even remember. That was a, that was a while ago. That was about a, that was over a year ago. Yeah, it's probably um, when I started kind of doing it more regularly, and I probably had the crazy background going in, like the what? Yeah, like it, was I was, every, it was every Sunday night. Yep, that's and I'm I'm back to doing those again, the live yeah, stream. I, I know it's cool. I'm psyched. Yeah, um, yeah, because I I, I remember. Uh, oh, you know what it was? It was um, it was the boutiques. Oh yeah, yep. I, I forget which one it was though, and. And you were funny too, because you were like, "Well, you know, I bought one, so I had to buy the other one." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's me!" <laughs> I think I have, I have to say, I, I really do enjoy the boutiques. Yeah, they're cool. Um, yeah, and they're not they're not terribly expensive, and you can fit a bunch of them on your desk, and just have a have a fun time. Yeah, and so, they're made they're made really well, like they're solid, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I so, got about, I got about what six of them, seven of them now. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's I, I'm surprised that my wife is still with me. But um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Zach, I'll tell you, he's like, he said to me, "You got too much gear." His girlfriend came over. This is a funniest story, right, dude? He, his girl, <laughs> his girlfriend comes over and she just stops at the door and she goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She do you remember that dude she didn't even know what to do she was like she thought she stepped into like a fucking synth museum yeah well it looks like a spaceship i'm just it's surrounded so that's what people tell me af- everything. i think she was afraid to like sneeze because she didn't know how much everything was and if she broke something like she'd be doing <laughs> dishes for like 12 years yeah it was <laughs> well i mean and your your studio is the same way dude i i I uh, I loved when you did the studio tour video too. That was really cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna do another one here next month. I I think the I did that last August, so I'm gonna try and do one every year. Yeah, because things change, you know. Oh yeah, and it's changed a lot since the last the last tour. So it's time for another one. Zach, you got to check this video out that he did. It's awesome. He he goes he goes yeah I I I picked up. Um, what did you, you picked, oh, you picked up a VP03. And mm-hmm. you go, yeah, they stopped making these. Well, I was there. I just happened to grab a Matrix boot while I was at it. And I, I was like dying. <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> well, it was, the Matrix boot is a, it looked awesome. I, like before I got, you know, I was kind of on the fence about it. And I was like, well, I don't know. And I'd heard some people kind of talk bad about it. And I was like, I need to play one, you know? So when, when I picked up that uh, VPO three, they, the guitar center near me usually doesn't have really the best selection for synths, yeah, especially the high end stuff, you know, dude, they're all like that. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't used to be that way. When I was, when I was first getting into this, they had all the good stuff there, but they, they don't keep it in stock in the stores anymore. So you can't go demo any of these synths usually, but exactly. luckily, they had a, they had a matrix brute and I jammed on it for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And, 
uh, one of the store guys came over and started talking to me about it. And I, I basically said, well, if you give me a discount, I'll buy it. And he did. So Right. <laughs> well, do you mind me asking? Uh, I think he gave me uh, – I think I got it for 1800 Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, that is a good deal. A couple hundred off, you know, and then, well, you got to cover, you know, taxes and all that stuff. Like, but if I bought it online, I wouldn't have to pay any of that. So that's why I was like, you know, hook me up with the discount, man, and I'll, I'll pick this up. Yeah. So, so I did. Yeah. I, I was, I was literally on the fence with it myself. And, and, you know, I, I, a lot of guys that had like a Tory or, um, mini brutes and stuff like that, I was kind of like going, I heard bad stuff about them. Like, you know, the keys were falling off there. And so I'm sitting there and going, I don't know, man, this is a big synth. It's a lot of money. And then I saw, um, uh, Ken flux for flux with it. Mm -hmm. And Ken had got one. And I guess the key bed was messed on it, messed up on it. And they immediately, uh, Behringer, uh, not Behringer, Autoria sent him out a brand new key bed. And he started doing demos of it. And I was like, wow. I was like, uh, this is this is actually really cool. And then I was watching um, Mark Doughty. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Mark Doughty, he's the man, dude. Yeah, I love Mark Doughty. He's amazing. Isn't he? And yeah. and I, I, I started watching some videos. And when Mark Doughty, who's like the Moog guru, yep. um, turned around and said, this right now, out of all the synths that I have is my favorite synthesizer. I went, holy crap. Right. <laughs> um, so Zach was with me when I bought my, my, my matrix brute. And that thing is just, it's, it's incredible. It's I, I never get bored with it ever. No, it's so much fun. And it's uh, the, the matrix interface for setting up modulation is crazy. Is one of the best ideas I've seen on a synth in a long time because it takes the interface, uh, it makes the interface very friendly for you to just go and mess around and get all kinds of craziness out of it. Yeah, press a button and turn a knob. You sit there going, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have to... you. you don't have to do any menu diving. Like, exactly. exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's incredible. I, I, you know, it's heavy, it's a beast. I was looking, believe it or not, man, I was looking at that and I was looking at the, um, uh, the Moog Voyager, um, yeah. and the Voyager, um, the Frankenstein one, the one that's all green. Um, oh, I and I green. Was, oh yeah, that's, it's rare. Um, and it was $4,700. <laughs> and I'm like, if I buy this, I won't be married. I'll be, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'd be living in a dumpster with a Voyager. You know what I you'd mean? Be like, in, <laughs> you'd be living in the box that the synth came in. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, cause I love Moog. I love Moog stuff and, and always have always will Bob, Bob Moog will always have a place in my heart. I think any, any synth enthusiast will always say that. Um, yeah. And I just, I said, I want something robust. I want something big and warm and a strong sense of you know when it's in your studio it's a it has a presence you know yeah, yeah. Um, and i was just like i checked out the matrix brute and i was just like damn for like 
more than half the half the price. Um, I was like, I could get one of these, and and uh, and I was like, you know, it's still not a Moog. But then the more I played it, the more I fell in love with it. The more I said, this is right up there with a Moog. And then when Mark Doughty said that, I went, wow, you know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I just you know, and then I also saw you picked up a Deep Mind Twelve. Yeah, and I had kind of an interesting experience initially getting it. Really? Do tell. Yeah. So <laughs> I, bought, I I pre-ordered it because I was super excited for the synth. Um, you know, it's a 12-voice analog with, with a decent amount of features on it for not a huge price. It's like, wow, right. that's crazy. So I got I pre-ordered it, and I was probably one of the first people to get it. Um, I was probably in the first batch from... Uh, Sweetwater, which is where I normally buy my stuff these days. Yep. But uh, the the synth arrived and it wouldn't boot. Well, it boot, but like the voices were dead. Like it didn't work. Oh. So I'm all hyped up about this synth for months because Behringer just you know stringing us all along for however long that that campaign was, man. So I was pretty upset when I got it and didn't even work. And I'm like, what the hell is this crap? So <laughs> it's a it's a shell. <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I kind of got mad, but like I, I talked to Sweetwater. They sent me another one like as soon as they could, which was which was nice because I know they were high in demand. Right. Yeah. Um, but then I started looking around, and other people were having the same problem, and I'm like, oh no, this is probably not good. But I found out that what happened was there was a ribbon cable that just came loose somehow. You know, Behringer claimed it was shipping, but I don't know. Like those those connectors are pretty in yeah, there usually. Yeah, you know, ribbon so. connectors are pretty tight, man. So I mean, it's possible, but you know, whatever. It, it got resolved, and the synth is amazing. I really like the DeepMind Twelve, but I had kind of a, a negative experience initially, and I was really mad because it was the first time I'd ever bought a synth and had it not work out of the box. Like, it's right, absurd. right. Yeah, well, I mean, you have you also you have a. Um, you have a slim fatty white edition, huh? Yep, I have a white slim fatty, and I have a or I have a white little fatty actually, and a, a black slim fatty. So I have that's right, of, the little fat dude. The, that the white one is just uh, to me. I just love the way that thing looks. And oh, it's, it's very pretty. That's actually my third little fatty, though. <laughs> so. Really. I love that synthesizer, man. Like, and it was one of the first analogs that I bought uh, was a little fatty when those came out. And I've had to sell a couple, I, you know, you get where you need some cash and you got to let something go. And so, but I've oh, always yeah. tried, to, tried to buy one back, you know? So this time around this is my third one and I was able to, to score a white one, which was cool. So hopefully I won't have to sell this one. Well, if you do, let me know. <laughs> um, I think no. at the time, you know, with all the Electro House stuff that was going on, I was really kind of into that. And uh, the little fatty has just a nice grit to it, I think. So Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, kind of it's a ballsy synth. Yeah. It's funny. I bought a, I bought a, a, a Slim Fatty um, used. And, uh, again, Zach was with me when I bought that. And I took it home and I plugged it in and I, I hooked it up to, um, I have an Arteria key step. Um, and I hooked it up to that and I'm like, wow, man, this synth is fat. It's beefy, but it yeah. gets, it got really hot. Um, 
and I know it's analog and I, you know, so, but I was just like, okay, it's really hot. It's used, it, you know, it's not in the greatest of shape. Um, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I kept it for, you know, Guitar Center is great with their 40 day return policy. So I kept it for like, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks and toyed around with it. And uh, the Roland um, Studio Electronics, the SEO2 had been released. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, that's real close to a, a like a, a Model D almost, you know, the way it's designed. And I know Studio Electronics did a lot of stuff for Moog. So I'm sitting there going, you know, they did some retrofitting and stuff for Moog. And I'm going, you know, this, this, this might be pretty cool, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I got rid of it. And I got the SEO two, which I absolutely love that thing. And that's, I, I have a story like yours with the, uh, with, like with the DeepMind 12, with the SEO two, I get the oh, SEO two home, cool. I plug <laughs> it in and it, dude, I know I love analog gear. I've got a ton of analog since this sucker would not stay in tune. And oh, man, that's a bummer. And I'd go to turn up the third oscillator and to get a you know to use a third voice and all of a sudden it would tune everything down and i'm like what is going on so i i go on to roland roland's like you know yeah we don't have anything about that sorry we can't help you right so i call up i call up roland tech support and this guy was so cool he goes he goes all right this is what i want you to do he goes i'm not supposed to tell you this but there is a firmware update coming out but if you go to Studio Electronics right now, he goes, um, and message them, you might be able to get this thing. Well, I do that. I get no, nothing in return. So I, I, Air Monkey, you, you've seen Air Monkey stuff on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. I was actually just watching one of his videos today. Yeah, he's cool, <laughs> man. He's, really, he's a really cool guy. Uh, and so I messaged him, and he does some great videos, too. And... Mm -hmm. I messaged him and I, I said, man, I said, you know, what do I do? And he messaged me back and he said, listen, he said, uh, I have a friend that works for uh, Studio Electronics. Um, here's his email. Email him and get, they'll send you right now. He will send you the uh, firmware update. It hasn't been released yet. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, man. That's what I love about the synth community. Like everybody's yeah. willing to like help each other, you know? Yeah, man. Um, Great. And I, and I, so I messaged the guy and literally within like five minutes, this is on a Sunday. Um, the guy sends me the firmware update. He goes, what do you got a Mac or a PC? I said, I got a Mac. And he said, okay. So he sent me the firmware update. I, I did the, exactly the way it said to do it and turned it on. And the thing's been working like a charm, man. It's like, it's, that's one of my favorite synths. It's a nasty synth. It's gritty. Yeah, it can, get, um, it can get pretty mean with all the growth mod and some of the other features they have on there. I did yeah. actually did a comparison video with it and my mini Moog. And uh, because I was like, you know, this was before the uh, the Behringer D was released and there was all this hype about these, these, these synths because they were pretty much supposed to kind of emulate or clone the mini Moog, right? Right. So I, I did a comparison video and... Uh, I actually got, I think it was the the one of the main developers of that synth from Studio Electronics commented on that video that I had done because <laughs> I was like, you know, I, there was some stuff that was definitely not the same. And one of the weird things was on the oscilloscope, one of the pulse waves were inverted. So really? I think 
that had to do with some firmware stuff too. Yeah. So I had, I had, I had some weird stuff I think initially, but I think most of that's been ironed out now. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Cause I just did the uh, recent firmware update on it and um, it added, actually added a couple more sounds. You know, also I did too, is I, uh, I, and I could added another bank. I don't know if you saw that. Um, but the mm. other thing too, is I downloaded the, um, for 12 bucks, I got the, um, uh, the editor for it. Yeah. That thing's cool. You like using <laughs> that? I mean, yeah, I was kind of like, I saw that and that's, that's cool. And I, but I was like, but I mean, it's got a pretty good interface just on the synth. There's, yeah, I well, guess there's some stuff under the hood that maybe you, it's a little tougher to get to, but probably not that much. Right. No, there, no, it's a, there's only a few things, but, um, the, one of the cool things was, was being able to uh, do like this morphing thing where it, it kind of like puts the sound in a bag, you shake it up and it throws the sound out and it kind of like gives you a completely different sound. And I was like, all right, oh, that's cool. I, I that like that, cool. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that a, that's a great idea. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it reminded me um, back in the day, I, I'm going to go way back here. Um, when I used to use... Um, I used to use uh, a program called uh, Vision by Opcode. Um, I've been a Mac user for a long time. I know you're a PC guy, yeah. um, but I've been a Mac user for a long time. And, and Opcode made this program called Vision. It was a DAW. It was the first MIDI DAW that, that was out there. Um, it was like 400 bucks or something like that. And I, I remember getting it and it had this thing called Unison. Uh, Unison was basically an editor librarian for a lot of digital synthesizers because that was the whole digital scene was huge at that point. This is in like the late, uh, I'm going to say early nineties. Um, and I had this thing called Unison and Unison did the same thing. You would, you would pick a bunch of, um, what do you call them? Uh, patches. And it would kind of like morph them into one big patch. And then you could save it if you liked it. Uh, and you know what does that now too is um, uh, AB Synth uh, from Native Instruments. Oh, yeah. Ab Absinthe. I it's funny. I haven't, I haven't used Absinthe. Is it Absinthe or is it AB Synth? <laughs> I always called it Absinthe. I, I, maybe that's wrong. But I, I don't, I, we've always called it Absinthe. Oh, I love Absinthe. <laughs> Yeah, I not the drink, that. Zach. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> right. The drink that isn't that drink illegal? Uh is that the, the UK one is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It supposedly can make you go blind, it could kill you, it it's it makes you hallucinate hallucinate. There's a lot and of uh Green goth. Fairy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of goth people that I know uh that uh that they they get absinthe here in the states, but it's not as bad as that shit. Um, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, absinthe uh, uh, did that. It had that whole morphing thing, and um, I mean, this doesn't the 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 Studio Electronics uh, uh, editor doesn't do it quite like that. But I thought it was kind of cool. I was like, all right, this is fun. You know what I mean? Um, because like you, Marshall, I like. That's why we like analog synths is we like to go in and say, Hey, I, I, I like synths that don't really have presets and patches. Um, because you can go in and just tweak the crap out of something and come up with something. But then again, I'm going to ask you this question too. 
then again, I do like some presets and I use presets sometimes and people give me a hard time about that. Have you, do you use presets? Uh, it's sometimes, most of the time, um, I mean, I have, who hasn't? So there's some great presets out there and why would you not want to use something that's, that's really good? Exactly. But a lot of times I'll start with a preset and start modifying from there. And sometimes right. it's not, sometimes it's not even a lot, but, um, it can, it can take you into a place and there you got what you want and you can use it and you're good. So I, I think presets are, are great for, especially for a good starting point. Cause sometimes, especially when you get a new synth, like you're not familiar with it at all. You don't know how, how, how to do some of the crazy stuff these, these uh, synths can do. So um, yeah, I think, I think pre presets are fine. Uh, obviously you don't necessarily want to rely on, using presets for everything necessarily, but right, right. I would encourage people to explore the synthesizer and come up yeah. with some stuff. But yeah, yeah, I mean when I when I got my DeepMind 12, uh, I I actually didn't like a lot of the presets in that synthesizer. Um <laughs> I I really got the DeepMind really because of the pads um and yeah. the arpeggiations. Uh, I thought those were done really well. But what I did is I followed this guy on uh, youtube geo synths i don't know if you've ever checked him out oh yeah uh, i've seen his stuff he does a lot of uh, patch banks and he he was probably one of the first people to do patch patch banks you know third party or whatever for uh for the deep mind did you buy them no but uh you know i've seen i've watched a lot of his stuff uh i watched um i think i watched his prologue video as well oh yeah 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 we'll, we'll get into that in a sec <laughs> that's zach wants one of those real bad um my heart just like stopped and then started again but, uh, <laughs> but uh no i i um i bought this i bought his first uh bank that he did for the deep mind 12 um mm -hmm. and what i like what he did was he you know you with the deep mind 12 you're you're only allotted up to uh it goes from a to h um, for the banks. And so there was w one of the banks I really didn't care about. And it, it's kind of interesting that it happened to be the G bank. Um, so I, I was like, okay, cool. I can get rid of that. Um, so he tells you what to do. And yeah, I had to download a SysX editor and I haven't used one of those in a while. So that was fun. Um, right. and, uh, and so I, I was like, all right, this is cool. I, this is how to be interesting. I usually screw shit up when I use these things. So, um, but it went really smooth. He, he sent a video to show you how to do it, which I thought was really nice. Um, he's a super nice guy. Um, yeah. And I loaded his, his, he came up with some gorgeous pads, um, like breathtaking. Um, and being able to go under the hood with the DeepMind 12 and really get into the TC electronics effects um, mm -hmm. really makes that synth sing, you know. Um, oh, man. I'd say that's that's what really makes it. Uh, sparkly yeah um, um and, and what i did are really good on it so yeah exactly and so what i did though with a lot of his stuff was i kind of tweaked them myself um mm -hmm. i loved a lot of his presets in the banks but i was like you know what i want to make this a little bit more mine and but i don't change the patch i just save it to what i did to it but i don't change the name of her or anything because he came up with some really cool names too um <laughs> But yeah. I messaged I messaged him and I thanked him too. I said, man, and he sent me uh, um, for a limited time. If you, um, because you bought the first one, 
um, he actually had the second bank for free. Uh, oh, and then, and then, and then he had it for half price after that. And now it's up to full price. I got it for, I haven't, I still haven't loaded it in. Cause I, I'm like, well, that means I'm going to erase like bank H and I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, you don't erase it. I, I saved it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, he's a really cool guy. Um, he really, and, and it takes a long time to create patches like he does. Uh, so he puts the time in to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's a very skilled uh, sound designer, I'd say on on these synths. I've heard him make some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even with the uh, the the prologue, um, I I mean, I watched that video too, and I was just like, I can't buy one of those, Marshall. I I I can't. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I, I but you I. Know. <laughs> I, I really love the way the pro, the prologue or the prologue, right? Is that what you call it? What did you guys call it the last time? Prologue, yeah. I guess it's called prologue, prologue yeah. <laughs> well, because it's a, it's a mini-lug, right? Isn't it mini-lug? Isn't that how you say it? I thought – I always just called it the mini-log and the, and the prologue, but who knows, right? I don't know. It's like – well, you have to say moog. You can't say – well, you have to say moog. You can't say moog. Right. Well, I think you're allowed to say Moog if you're British. I think that's the rule. Oh, okay. Because I remember Bob Moog <laughs> coming on and saying, this is how you pronounce it. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's Moog, but the British guys, for some reason, just can't say that. They always say Moog. That's true. So, all right. So, we'll <laughs> to go with uh, Moog, we'll call it the mini Logue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... The pro, the the mini, the mini log, and see now I'm all messing up. The, That's all right. <laughs> the mini log and the mono log, right? Is that? Yeah, the mono. Yeah, I have one of those too. I really like that synth. I I thought those were kind of cool, but I never really kind of. I was kind of like, eh, you know. And uh, but the prologue, I was like, oh shit, that's like a real, that's like big time. I was like, I kind of uh, really am interested in this. And it's again one of those synths where like. I really need to play one yeah, because yeah. Um, I don't know, but I think it's kind of pricey for the feature set, but it does sound really good. I think and it would, it would suit my, my style of music really well. Yeah. I, I thought, I mean, even, you know, what was the deal about, you know, I, I and Zach knows there's a couple of pet peeves I have about it. Why I bought the uh, the mini lug when it first came out, um, Nick Bat had done a demo on it, and I was blown away at the fact that you could um, record knob uh, tweaking. And, oh yeah, uh, the yeah the automation in the sequencer. Oh, I love that. I use it all mm -hmm. the time. You know, mm -hmm. um, but the thing with the prologue was a prologue was. Uh, it they they skipped that function, yeah. Um, and I was like, why? Why would you do that? That's that's like one of the coolest things. And then, you know, Nick Bout was saying, well, geez, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's just a firmware update that they can do. It's something that's probably just you know, uh, it has to do with the operating system. And but you know how they priced it out too. Like the 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 larger one comes with a compressor on it. I'm just like, really? 
I, well, I think the compressor is supposed to help with low loss of low end when you're using resonance on the filter, if I remember right. Yep, yep, that's right. Why, yeah. why they would leave that off of the A voice, I don't understand that. Yeah, that's what I said. And that, that's what I was kind of like going, all right, so how how much more could the compressor cost? And I mean, it is, it's, it's not like a mainly or like a, uh, you know... <laughs> It was still fifteen hundred dollars for the eight voice, man. Like it's not that's not cheap. No, it's so, not cheap at all. It's not cheap. It's uh, I think it only has one LFO, which is really odd. Yep. Um, it's got that digital uh, oscillator that can be that I guess they're going to allow uh, an SDK for third parties to develop other oscillators for it. But who knows? Yeah, I that, saw that. I mean, that's a cool concept, but I don't know where that's going to go with this. So like so you've got you, they seem to miss certain things that seem pretty obvious to everyone else and and it's expensive so I'm just kind of like I I don't know yeah I need to play one and see if I really fall in love with it like I did the Matrix Brute. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that they have they have one. Um, the 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 big city stores like in Boston they have the that's like the flagship store for Guitar Center. Um, mm. I was telling uh, Zach last week I said hey dude they have one we should go check it out. Um, they have one on display and I'm like, I want to go check it out, you know? And he's like, yeah, I want to go check it out. But I know you, Zach, you'll probably like check it out and you buy it. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, what are you trying to say? Well, that's you. Ever since it came out, you're like, oh my God, look at, look how beautiful that is. Listen to that. Look how sound, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it does sound really good. There's a, I watched the demo. I don't know. Do you, do you watch any of the Anderton's, uh, videos yeah, yeah. on YouTube? Yeah. Oh my God, that guy. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, but the guy from Korg—I can't remember his name—but whoever they had from Korg demoing that synth almost sold me on it, man. I was almost gonna buy one because of that video. What What impressed me was the one uh, Zach had had said, "Dude, you gotta look. You gotta go online right now and check out the 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 new Korg video on Korg's website." Of, um, I think he's I think he's Japanese. Um. I think he might be one of the developers or something, but he played some pads on that thing. And I was just like drooling. I'm going, wow. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds so incredible. Yeah. But I, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, you, they kind of like missed the mark on a couple of things. And, I'm, you know, I start looking at that and then I, I think about, well, you know, you for the same amount of money for the larger one, which is two grand, right? It's what is it? It's yeah. 2100 or something like that, or yeah, it, it's like nineteen ninety nine, I think. Yeah, and you, could, you, you could know, get a DSI, right? I mean, for that, I mean, listen, DSI is not a pro logo, okay? Oh, please. <laughs> I would, you know, Dave Smith stuff. I haven't owned any of it, so I, yeah. I, I can't really comment. I don't know. There's just something about some of the Dave Smith stuff that I'm just kind of like. I don't know, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't appeal to me for some reason. Not that there's anything wrong with any of the synths he makes. It's just, there's just something about him that I, I just never well, fell in love with any of his stuff. So I don't own any Dave Smith gear, unfortunately. I, I don't either, because to me, it was always, it was always up there with Moog as far as prices went. And that's why I was like, geez, I don't know if I can afford that. You know what I mean? But, yeah. you know. But, I was real close to, to buying a Profit X, like super close. Really? To buying a Profit X, yeah. And I decided to get a Quantum instead. So you're going to see a Quantum on my channel 
pretty soon. Oh, I'm, all right, that's interesting. I would, yeah, because yeah, I the prophet the prophet X man is interesting. You know, uh, it, it is. It is like I was watching some demos. Um, Eight Do I guess did all the samples. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Thing. And it sounds really good, and it's got some really cool potential. But I, I think that um, they've really kind of limited what you can do with it. And I, I, I watched a video just yesterday with Dave Smith talking about it. This, I can't remember this guy's name, but he's done a couple of really cool interviews. He did one with Nick Bat, and he did one with um, uh, with Dave. And uh, yeah, they were talking about the Prophet X, and Dave's not really into samples. No, he's he not. That- he makes that very clear. So, so I, don't, I don't know who talked him into making this thing, but it didn't sound like he really. Uh, well, that, well, that's kind of what blew my mind. I mean, I, I have to say, and it's a gorgeous looking synthesizer. It's, you know, it's, yeah. but I have to say in the demo that I saw um, that they did with it, I was like, wow, that thing sounds amazing. Like it's the, the samples are cool. I love the way that you can, you can morph the samples in through the um, the analog filters and just how things mm-hmm. sound because it is an analog pathway. Um, but like you just said, what was what was he thinking with samples? Like that's so that just far odd for him to make it sound like that. I, although I was very tempted because it does sound really great and. I wouldn't mind having a nice synth like that, but uh, you know that that's very sample based. In fact, I've been buying a lot of these uh, these older uh, Roland modules, and and I, I think I, I just picked up a XV fifty eighty and a Korg Triton. So I, those oh. obviously have some sample elements to them as well. These almost like little workstation type things, but um, a Korg Triton, huh? Yeah. That's a you know, great synth, man. When I started into music, that was like the thing to have. And they were like ridiculous amounts of money. And I'm playing on my little MIDI tracker instead, you know? <laughs> so No, I hear you. Kind of cool to get one. I had, um, a, I had a Korg M1. Um, that was my first. I, I started out with a, with a Juno 106. I had two of them. Um, absolutely um, love the Juno 106. That's why yeah. when mine finally died... I sold my good one, bought a used one, and it died on me. And then when they came out with the Roland Ju06, I'm like, mine. I'm buying it. Yeah, hey, you're lucky. They, those are not cheap anymore. The the Ju06s. Yeah, they're like six hundred dollars, right? Yeah, I was pretty pissed about that because when I started I, at first, when the boutiques came out, the first set of them, uh, I was kind of not very interested in them. And at the time they didn't output CC for the controls. And I was like, That's well, right. then this is, this is going to be useless to me because I do a lot of automation in the computer. Right. So, right. Uh, so I, I kind of stuck my nose up at them at first, but um, when they dropped the TB 303 or the TBO three, which I love the 303 is like one of my favorite since ever. I need to get a real one, but yeah, that, um, one, that one, that one's sitting underneath my TR eight S I, I refuse to put that away. Cause I always wanted one. And now, and you know what? I'm going to tell you something, dude. I used to work at a place called Daddy's Junkie Music. Um, it was a music store that was in direct competition with all the big stores the big like Guitar thing. Center and stuff. And yep. you're going to die when I tell you this. We used to have <laughs> TV 303s, a couple of them, and we had a Roland TR-808 just sitting in this glass case and nobody wanted these freaking boxes, dude, like nobody. Right. Yep. And 
I remember this kid came in and he goes, yo, where your beatboxes at? And I brought him over to this glass case and I go, right here, dude, here's some beatboxes for you, right? The TB303s, two of them, we were selling for 50 bucks a piece. Oh, my God. <laughs> the 808, I think, was like 400 bucks. But yeah, so. you know, we couldn't get rid of them. It's like 10 so they, times that now if you want one. Oh, my God, <laughs> you know. Well, then, you know, having some, there's some really cool companies out there, though, that made some clones, like, uh, was it Devilfish? Mm -hmm. um, Devilfish does mods uh, for the original 303s. I don't know if they made a clone. If they did, I'd be interested to see what it is. I thought, I thought they did make their own, too. They may have. I don't know. I've always known Devilfish from their, the mod kit that they do for the original 303, though, because it's freaking crazy. Oh, what am I thinking of? Not, not, yeah, you're right. Devilfish did the mods. What's the, there's another company that. There's a, there's a quite a few nowadays. There was, um, when I was kind of on the fence about maybe trying to pick one of the clones up, there was the, um, the XOX box or whatever. And then there was the Cyclone, uh, Cyclone something. I can't remember all of them. There's like three that's or four it. of them. That's it, Cyclone, yeah. Yeah, and there's the Avalon. Like, there's a lot of them now. What was it Future Retro was one? Yeah, here's the – I got. The, I just called up the Cyclone right here. Um, Analogic, the mm -hmm. TT-303. That's what it is. Yep, TT-303. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That, that looks pretty cool. It, it, it kind of looks like a kid's toy, though. It's weird. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the original 303 looks kind of like a toy, too, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Here's one right here. Uh, this is an original Roland 303 for $2,849 used. Yeah. It better, be in, it better be in freaking perfect condition for me to pay that. For it one, is. It's, it's mint. Yeah. That's yeah, it's on eBay. Yeah, and you had two of them for 50 bucks. You could have spent 100 bucks and walked out of there. Come on. Seriously, man. And one of them actually <laughs> still had the silver bag because they used to come in like a little silver bag, like a pouch. Yeah. Um, that that one still had that. And it had the – that one had the original box. And like we sold it to this kid. He was like, yeah, I'll take both of them. And we're like, okay, here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like sitting there going, oh, my God. Like what, what was I thinking? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, well, and you never know. So, like, what will be the next crazy thing that everyone thought was a piece of junk that uh, that you can't sell that will become, like, super popular because someone will use it in some weird way? Well, did you, you know? did you ever – do you remember when Electron first started? No. Electron uh, – they're one of those companies where they have, they have some cool stuff, but I have never seen any of it in real life. I have. I had one. So before before Electron made what they make today, mm -hmm. you know, with the digi the diggy tack and all that stuff, and Electron was the first company to take the Commodore sixty four chip, and they yeah. they they literally were gathering them from around the world to make this synth called the SID station. Yep, and I it's bought one. It's because it used the SID chip. Yeah, the SID chip. Yeah. Yep, and I I bought one and I had it. I had it. And all my friends are like, dude, this thing's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I, I, I paid four ninety nine. 
Oh, that's just, that's amazing. They kept how- it. They kept it at the at the airport because they thought it was a bomb. It looks like a bomb. Dude. It does. It does. <laughs> um, and I remember customs kept it. They opened up the box and, you know, they said, "Okay, you can come down and pick it up." And I'm like, "Okay, great." And I went down and picked it up, and um, <laughs> I I had it for a long time. I swore I would never get rid of it, man. And uh, I sold it for a hundred bucks. And I I oh, I want to every time I think about it, I just want to shoot myself because I'm just like it it kills. You can't even find one. Like if you go on eBay looking for them, they're like thousands of dollars now. Yeah, Ugh. I had uh, I had talked to a guy. Have you seen like any of the cow Mr. Cow food videos that I have? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Cow food. Yeah, Mr. Cow food's a really cool guy. Um, and he's he's um, I think he's real into modular stuff, and yeah. he does a lot of ambient music. Um, but he was the one that told me about the Sid Station because I had never heard of it. So that that's it's just because the brand out here, like the Electron, I think is very very popular, especially in Europe. And now that I'm more plugged into the, the synth world, uh, you know, I find out about these things now and I'm just blown away. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. I, that, electron, that's a good electron, idea for well, a synth. Electron, yeah, no, totally. And I, Electron, um, to me, I, I just think that they're very, um, they can be very hard to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, I know lots of people that have, that have, have had Electron stuff and they, they are a little difficult to get into. Um, although I know the DigiTac is probably the most simple thing that they've come out with. And it was the dig, the digi diggy tone. Uh, I know Bo beats had done a couple of, um, uh, yeah. reviews on those. Um, yeah, he, he's like, he loves electron. Like we love Moog, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, I mean, it's there right there. You know what I mean? Right. They, they, I mean From his home uh, country. I'm surprised he doesn't like Clavia though. Any of the Nord stuff? I don't ever hear him talk about Nord. Well, I don't. I, yeah, it's weird. I don't. I don't think because he's. I, I from what I've seen. I mean, I I started watching Bo when you know he had like four hundred people following him. You know. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't think he um, really got into that kind of synthesizer. I think he's really into. I mean, the Nords are gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love a Nord lead. They're, they're beautiful. Um, but I just, I, I like him would prefer something over that first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he's big time in, into Autoria as well. I mean, he, you know, they basically gave him uh, before Nam. Um, they gave him uh, actually even before Nam, the Nam show, what was it? Uh, what's the big show? Music Messier. Um, I think, they, I think is it Super Booth? No, it was Music Messier. They they had uh, announced the um, I forget what they called the Matrix. Was it the not the Matrix? It was a, um, the Mini Brute Two or the Micro Brute Two? One of the well, and one and then they announced the modular system, and they yeah. just gave they just like gave it to him. Wow, that's um, crazy. Well, he's got a lot of subscribers now too. He's doing really yeah. well. Yeah, man, he's doing really good. He's got like I don't know, forty six thousand people now following him. Uh, last time I saw him, he was in the twenties. So if he's getting in the forties already, that's pretty wild. 
Well, he just interviewed Nick Bat, man. I was like blown away. I'm like, how cool is that, right? Cool. <laughs> you know, like you say, he's had he's had Gaz on there too. So he had Gaz, yeah, Gaz Williams, Bat. yeah. And then Nick Bat, that, that's pretty cool. Nick Bat's a cool guy. Yeah, Nick Bat is definitely. Sorry, Nick Bat is definitely cool. Um, he, uh, what I like about Nick is I've been following Nick. I used to write stuff uh like reviews on sonic state before nick bat even had like a uh a pod- podcast yeah um and i wrote i used to write stuff uh for, for sonic state i would write little reviews and stuff and it was funny because nick bat i mean it's his gig that was his thing yeah and and one time i wrote a, i don't know if you remember the and sonic fismo no um, and Sonic I, stuff was not around when I got into music. Yeah, I, I remember. So, it, yeah. Well, and, and Sonic was interesting because in Sonic was one of those companies, they were made in America and they broke all the time. Like, <laughs> all, all the time. And then um, I think Emu bought them out. And then... Uh, Emu made a combination with them called the synth called the Fismo, and it was purple and blue, and it had few knobs, and it had this really weird transient style, uh, um, like synthesis. It was weird. Well, I mm-hmm. bought one. I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy one of these, and um, so I did a review on it. It's cool. It had some great sounds. It sounded really cool, um, and. So I did a review on it. So Nick liked the review. And then there was some haters that totally trashed on me. It was really funny. Um, <laughs> You're going to get but, that. And like, yeah. So people are going to love, like, if I talk nice about Moog, people tell me I'm an idiot. You know, if yeah, I, if I, I, if I talk nice, uh, like one of, one of the sense that I hate, hate is a DX7. And that pisses a lot of people off. I hate the <laughs> DX7. Oh that. my god, that's awesome! <laughs> um, well, that now, you know so, it was used in a lot of music that I love, but I hate that synthesizer, man. It's impossible to use. Well, not impossible, but it's like really no, bad. You're right. You're <laughs> so, right. I had one for a week. I didn't get it. I still have one. Like I, I, I'm gonna do a video probably one day where I put on some gloves and like one of those doctor masks so you don't get sick, you know, and play it and play it. <laughs> No, I, 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 uh, I didn't get it. I was like, all right, what am I supposed to do with this thing? That's I, I got to tell you, I bought, uh, I bought a, I'm looking at it right now. I bought a little Korg Volca FM. Somebody was telling me I should pick one of those up. It's cool. It's, it's probably one of the coolest little synths that, uh, out of the Volca line. It's, it's a lot of fun. It does some weird shit. Um, but I will tell you something that's even better than that. Uh, Zach and I have the Arteria, um, was it the V6 collection um, of all oh, their synthesizers? Yeah. And, man, I'm telling you, the DX7 in that, because it's, it's, you open, you, you click on this button and the hood opens up and you just dive in. And you can actually program the thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of fun. That's the biggest, my biggest problem with it is the interface was terrible. Now, I know for the time it was probably the most amazing thing ever, but, you know, I didn't know shit about any of that stuff when I was, you know, a little kid, you know? 
coming in coming into sense and when you look back at some of the things that, that people really cherish that's one that i i just i don't understand <laughs> I ne- no dude i hear you i never i totally if somebody said to me would you rather a a, a jupiter 8 or a dx7 i would have been like give me the jupiter 8 man yeah because you know? i i totally <laughs> got the jupiter 8 like i understood it i'm going oh a knob i can turn that and oh it does this the DX7, I told you, I had it for a week. It was a friend of mine. And I was just like sitting there going, what? Like, and all I could get out of it, you're going to laugh. All I could get out of it was bass sounds and this tinny piano sound. And I hated it. Well, um, I'm is really good at bell type tones. Yeah. You know, so that's why like you'll hear a lot of bell stuff with FM because that's what it's really good at it's got real high really high fidelity especially in the high range frequencies so it's really good for that type of bell emulation or those uh kind of um like the little electric pianos you know the the type synths you know sounds that you would hear back then it's really good at that but and it's just a bitch to program that thing did you ever see the um which is not good There's, for a <laughs> No, no. It was, yeah, it was brown. Like, what was that color? Yeah, not like a good brown. Like, no, like, it's like a <laughs> it's like shit brown, man, because it's a piece of shit. <laughs> what I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, there's going to be some haters on this one. I'll tell you that. Uh... <laughs> I mean, that's what my point, though, is that, you know, if you like something or don't like something, there's going to be people that are going to get mad at you either way. So it's all preference, yes. though, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because um, if you, if you, I don't know if you ever saw this, but uh, you should check out this uh, interview they did with Trent Reznor um, on how he started and and he used to work in a music store and stuff and and uh, you know everybody was bent on you know you know I got to have that DX7 and he's like listening and he's like yeah yeah he says everybody wanted to come in and hear bells right and and he goes. He would go over to the OB the OB eight that was sitting in the corner and, and he'd be playing that thing going, This is amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 he goes, he goes, I I he goes, to this day, he's like, I cannot stand that synthesizer. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one that doesn't like it, but there's a huge group of people that do and they're very passionate about their shit brown DX seven that is impossible to program. Well, you know what's <laughs> I, you know what's ironic too is I don't maybe I I was seeing things but um, do you remember when Nine Inch Nails played Woodstock and they they were all in the mud and they came up on stage all covered in mud and stuff I think one of the synths that he had on stage with him all the time that he used as a controller was a DX7 and he used to beat the shit out of that thing <laughs> to with a point where the keys were flying off of it. Well, um, they're pretty indestructible. They are made like tanks. Uh, that's pretty tough to do. But you got to figure there's no fucking knobs on it. So, yeah, just <laughs> sliders, man. You know? Sliders in a metal case with some keys on it and some membrane buttons. And it's shit brown. <laughs> and shit brown with, with the bright green uh, buttons. Doesn't it have green buttons on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're green. Yeah. It's like you a- figure, like, when they came with the DX2, the DX2, the DX7, whatever. They made it black, which was nice. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. Black. At least they got that right. <laughs> if you if you get a chance though, you should definitely um, uh, even pick one up. Use the FD. Uh, the Volker FM's cool. 
I was, yeah. I was, I was impressed with it. Um, I've, I've done some cool stuff with it. It's actually on my, the first album I did. It is um, pretty cool. I must admit. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. FM as a type of synthesis is great. If you can get in there and do something with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a lot this- of guys on, on YouTube that have, uh, they use, um, there's one guy I watch who actually he uses fruity loops like real exclusively and all he uses is all the image line plugins and he uses the Citrus FM plugin all the time to do some really crazy, like, cool shit. Yeah, FM's cool, man. I mean, there's definitely, mm-hmm. there's some really cool synths out there, um, you know, in the box synths, too, that are all FM driven. And, and they, they sound great. Yeah. Um, but it's just the way the DX, I mean, I'll never forget, like, the 80s, man, when everybody, everybody had one. Like, yeah. Like, that's all you saw. You know? It was probably, and I can understand why. I mean, you know, after all the years with the analog stuff, that it was impossible to keep those things in tune. You know, they would break. You know, like this is digital. Like it, you can't even throw it off a mountain and break that thing. You know, because it's well, a we, big. We, I mean, when you think about technology and music and where we've been and where we've come, I mean, even like I remember the whole solid state amplifier era where you know tubes were out you know they weren't making and we couldn't get them out of russia because there was this whole thing about russia that we weren't dealing with and you Mm -hmm. know because russians were the only ones that could make the damn tubes um and you know to this day your amplifier purist will tell you oh there's nothing like a russian tube i'm like yeah whatever dude you know what i mean (laughs) um but uh but you know i you know and i I remember having like you know i play guitar and, and i remember having um a solid state amp and when I went back to using tubes, I was just so blown away by how warm that sounded. And mm-hmm. that's why, like, you know, I, I know we've come full circle here. Like, you know, the thing with with synthesizers today, like Roland blows my mind because Roland took analog knobs and and I don't even know what what do they call the what do they call it with the boutiques and the and the Aria series? They call it something like i forget oh. what they the analog circuit behavior is that what we're talking yeah, about yeah 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 and they yeah. were able to they were able to take the circuit behavior and and copy it and i mean i gotta tell you man the, the i had two junos they even mocked the uh when you turn the chorus on there was always static that mm-hmm. would come out of the chorus on a juno 106 in the manual, it says that's supposed to happen when you turn on the chorus because it's authentic. And right. some people, some people are like, okay, Roland, you couldn't have left that out because it's static and it sounds like shit. You know what I mean? And right. I'm going, I'm sitting there going, no, that's cool. That's part of the character of the synthesizer. You yeah, know? the one six is great. Uh, I need that. Since I missed getting a Ju06, I've been contemplating whether or not I need to pick up a vintage one. The the only concern i have is obviously with any vintage gear that's that old man if i have to take it to a shop out here to get fixed it's going to be gone for probably months and i'll have well, a huge bill <laughs> so. yeah yeah well the, the thing too about the juno 106 is that did you know this i this is because i've owned two i i i remember at one point roland had kept making parts for the juno 106 and the jp uh the, the uh, jupiter 8 um and the uh was it the jd 800 um 
they were making parts for those synths up until 2000. Uh, that's so. So you can some parts because I have a JD800 that's got some issues with keyboard. Right oh, now. really? That's yeah, a great it's a, synth, man. It is. It's it's amazing. Um, it it doesn't have the red glue problem. That's not the problem I'm talking about for anyone listening that knows about the JD800. Not that. It's just got some keys that probably need to have the contacts cleaned and some other stuff. So I was going to take it down to a place here in Denver, and they're telling me it's going to be like three months before I'll get Whoa. it back. So, Jeez, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There's not a lot of places that really, at least around here, that can work on or are willing to work on that type of stuff that I know of. So Yeah, we, we got nothing around here at all. Um, you know, if you bring it to Guitar Center, they ship it somewhere. Uh, any, any, you know, any keyboard issue, um, they'll, it's weird, man. We used to have a place in Boston, uh, an electronic shop, that these guys were awesome. They fixed anything, any synth, any – I remember a friend of mine brought an MS-20 and uh, it, it had um, something blow, blue on it or something. I forget what it was. And it, you turned it on and just went, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah, it doesn't work anymore, dude. You know, so he, he, uh, he brought it down. To, it was in Boston. And the guys were like, yeah, we can fix that. And he got it back and it was like brand new, you know. Uh, yeah. But those guys are gone. Like, uh, it's weird. It's sad. It's like, you know, there's not a whole lot of shops around anymore, you know. And, you know, that's why I understand, like, there is a market for the vintage crowd. And that's why I can see why companies like Derringer are wanting to reproduce these as clones. Because there's, especially guys like me who are, you know, I'm I'm old enough to know what these are, but too young to have ever actually seen any of these synths um, or played any of them. So right. I'm kind of like, you know, Roland, can you do something about this? And they just, the, the analog circuit behavior stuff is great, but man, they gave us a little boutique. So that's a lot different experience than playing on a, a full blown synth, you know? No, so, I hear you. I, well, I got to tell you though. I mean, like I always wanted a TR-808, like I always wanted a TR-909, you know, mm -hmm. uh, well, later on, like I should, I should, I shouldn't say I always want, well, yeah, I, because even, even back in, you know, after that experience with the kid coming in and buying the beat boxes and, and, you know, that's what he wanted. And, you know, that was way back. And, you know, but after that, when I started really getting into uh, getting more away from digital sense, I started really like seeking out, like a lot of the guys that I listened to were from, you know, from Europe. And Europe had this abundance of analog stuff, you know, left mm -hmm. over from like the eighties, you know, cause yep. people, I mean, you've heard Nick Bat say people would, they'd leave it out on the curb and, and yeah, we they did not, the, want, they did oh, not yeah, want, dude, they were taking their analog vintage gear, getting rid of it and buying only M ones to make music on for a while. Yeah. Like crazy. Oh <laughs> no, dude, Zach, seriously, you should hear on, on Sonic State. Nick talks about this this time that he literally he would drive down the road and there would be like an analog synth fully functional sitting in, by somebody's garbage can being waiting to be taken away. Dude, you know, some dude, some crazy kook went around, collected as many as he could, kept them in his garage. And then 20 years later, made thousands. I doubt it, dude. What? Be yeah, because like Marshall said, everybody was trading in their analog synths to buy 
this digital phenomenon that took over, you know, and like he said before, like, you know, Marshall, you, you were saying, you know, they went, they would go out of tune with the digital technology you had, they would stay in tune. They didn't know, they didn't have the technology to keep the instruments in tune like they do now. Yeah. Um, and it's still you know, problematic with some of them, you know, like yeah. you got, you got an SEO two with some bad firmware and you know, that was a problem. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and also I've, I've heard things with mother 32s where they, they drift a lot, you know, um, but I mean, that's analog. And I, I know what the funny part is, is the, it's the character of the, the, the equipment. You kind of, I kind of like, I, I, I know you're going to think I'm nuts, but I actually like when the synth drifts a little. A little's okay. Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, but if it's to the point to where you cannot keep it, you know, close enough to be able to use and, and the biggest thing probably, like I work in a studio, so it's not a big deal for me. But if I was on stage and I was bringing some of this gear, uh, it would drive me nuts. Like, uh, have you watched any of Kabo's videos? The guy that he takes his massive like rig of analog synths that are old and just performs with them. No. He has like 10 synths on stage with him and he just jams out, man. It's great. And he does like uh, a lot of... To check it. How do you spell it? Uh, K E B U K B U. K B U. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, man, you'll be into that. He's got like some amazing gear, and I don't know how he gets that stuff to not break on him in the middle of the set. And yeah, he did some good stuff. Really? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I saw um, well, I saw I I've seen Plastic Man. I don't know how many times I've seen uh. Uh, who, who was, I saw, uh, Sasha and Digweed. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. Um, yep. And, but I saw, um, meat beat manifesto one night and that guy blew my mind. Whoa, 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 and, whoa. and did you just say meat beat manifesto? Yeah, dude. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I caught that. <laughs> No, look it up. It's a, it's an actual it's an it's an actual guy actually. But he when he goes out and he plays, I think he, I think he had like three dudes in the band with him, uh, and a, he had a drummer. Um, but he had a full blown modular system, and he goes everywhere with it. Yeah. And I'm like I'm like how like how do you how do you maintain that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, are, you, are either of you two into any of them? the modern modular stuff like the Eurorack stuff that's been all crazy these days i had a i had a pittsburgh modular um that i bought i had the uh system was it the 10 plus or whatever it was called um and i gotta tell you i got i got lost in modular dude i i i started out with the with the base system and i bought one other module and i still had another like a couple of, of more spaces left to, to put more in. But the thing that kills me with modular is I sat there patching for hours and never wrote a goddamn thing. Dude, I yeah. got ADHD dog. I can't, I, you can't put me in front of something with that much stuff going on. <laughs> well, plus, plus Zach has a wire fetish. He hates wires. Dude, it's like, I, Oh <laughs> man, you, you would hate my studio. That's not that the, at least it's not modular spaghetti, but to to get all the shit hooked up in my little studio over here, this wires everywhere. You'd go bonkers, dude. Oh, dude, people oh. love me when I come over because they like come back into their room and they don't have any wires. And like, what happened? 
Well, when, when yeah. you clip you? <laughs> no, he, no, no, no. He, he literally, he, when we re- redid my studio, he went to town with, uh, with, uh, ties and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, oh, nice. but then, but then, <laughs> yeah, but then I, then he came over after I had wired up the right, the left side of my studio and he was like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> Dude, he caught, he calls me and he's like, Zach, I made a mistake and I don't want you to be mad. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he wouldn't tell me. And then I walked in and like half the room was like perfectly fine. And the other half of the studio was all wires on the ground. And I almost had a fucking heart attack. Well, Marshall, you, you know, man, you get a synth and you're like, oh, I want to I hook this up. You know, right. I was like, I'm like sitting there going, I don't have time for cable management. I want, I'm a musician. God damn it. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless you have every synth you're ever going to buy. You're gonna have to get in there and hook some shit up and move stuff around. And my my studio changes all the time. It's impossible to keep the wires clean. The only time the wires are actually clean is when I do a studio tour or something like that because like I want it to look nice. But most of the time, I've got stuff all over the place. Yeah, I did a studio tour video on YouTube and and uh, recently I think it was last week, and um, I didn't give a shit, man. I. I Cause I had stuff unplugged. I just got some Adams audio monitors and, uh, and I had some other monitors connected and I just disconnected them. And I'm looking at it right now. The, the, these cables are literally leaning over my TV three right now. Um, and Zach's like, really? Like, you know, and it like... still freaks me out that you call speakers monitors. Cause I keep thinking you're saying TVs or like, well, they're stupid. Well, no, well, well, that's be- well, studio monitors. I mean, they're, that's what we call them. They're studio yep. speaker monitors. They're powered, powered studio monitors or speaker yeah. monitors, I guess. That. Speakers, when I hear that, I think I think like a radio, like a little radio or something. Yeah, oh, same here. Speakers <laughs> in your car. Like that's what I think when I hear speakers. When I hear monitors, especially when I if I know the context, in which case I do in this conversation, of course, <coughs> then I'm gonna I'm gonna think, you know, monitors for the studio. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember I just picked up a couple of computer monitors, uh, a couple yeah, of new monitors, <laughs> and, and, and Zach's like, why, dude, I, what are you buying monitors for? You, you just bought speakers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He goes, <laughs> he goes, you're confusing the shit out of me, man. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying right now. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny though. He's like, I can't hear out of my monitors. I'm like, well, do they have speakers built in? He goes, they are speakers. I go, what? <laughs> yeah, he uh, he didn't know what I was talking about. That's okay. Exactly. I mean, I didn't know that either. You know, you always learn stuff all the time. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Every, I'll do it every day. That, that's uh, that's studio jargon though. You could call them speakers. It's the same thing basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you call them powered monitors, and if, if people don't know what you're talking about, they're like, well, yeah, don't you have to power your computer monitors? Like, what's the matter with you? How do you yeah. turn them on? You know what I mean? Like, you yep. plug, you idiot. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I know I know, we've gone way over, but I don't care. This is awesome. Um, I just wanted to ask you something, too. Sure. Um, I know we've gone all over the place, um, but what are you considering – what do you think of the, D, the DFAM? It's not. I don't think it's for me, honestly. Uh, analog, really? yeah. I don't think so. I don't. The, Any the, reason? Reason why? Because I have a 808 and a well, <laughs> I have the TR08 and the TR09, which are going to be perfect for me. Um, 
for most of my percussion needs and anything else I use uh, just, you know, I'll use one shot sample packs and build construct my own loops that way. The, right. For, for some reason, the, the analog drum machines have come out lately. I just, they haven't, been my thing like the the arturia one i looked at that and i was like mm. and then i went and bought a tr8 instead you know yeah, I, I the arturia the arturia drum machine is nice um i was gonna buy one i remember again zach was zach's always with me dude he's like you know i don't know it's like a, <laughs> i guess it's a bromance i don't know but uh Anyway, that was actually really nice because I thought you were gonna say like harpies or something, and then <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I so you were with me that, and I remember, and and, and I, my friend Ryan that works at Guitar Center, he was like, he was like, all right, man, I put your name on, it, I'll put it away, you know, and I never bought it because I was just like, eh, I don't know, man, you know, like, and and then the uh, the 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 TR09 came up, and I was like, all right, I'll buy that instead because yeah. I always wanted one. You know. Yeah, and they sound amazing, and you can't go wrong with with a TRO nine or you know with nine oh nine sounds. I know they're all been used to death, but they sound amazing, and they're that's why they're so so like shooting field. You know, it's everywhere. Yeah, and I and I already I'm I see I love drum machines. I'm a because I'm a drummer. I'm a I that's what I started on. That's my forte, and I I just love drum machines. So I bought a TR eight when that first came out. And I bought this, the the uh, the pack that goes with that. So I got the TR seven hundred seven, the seven twenty seven, the six hundred six, yep. the eight hundred eight, and the nine hundred nine, all in that machine. Um, yeah. It's it was great. It, it's awesome, right? I love that drum machine. And then they um, just come out with the eight S, and that that seems even better. I've been thinking about. I'm like, do I really need one though? I already have an, a TR eight, an 08, and an 09. You know, well, I have. I have a Volca Beats. I have a nine a TR nine, uh, and I just bought the TR eight S, um, and that thing is deep. Like I already loaded my own samples into it and everything, man. It's yeah, it's a it's a killer drum machine. Um, yeah. They well they that was the biggest complaint I think people had about the original TR eight was you couldn't import any of your own samples into it. So, yeah, um, the other big complaint would be to like the, uh, you know, in the, in the originals you had, you had all the, um, the individual outs. That's one thing that intrigued me about the Arteria drum machine was yeah. that you had, you had the individual outs. I like that, you know? Um, but I mean, if you're going to mix down and you want to plug all those in, like the only way to do it is to go through each set of instruments at a time to get those tracked in into your system. You know, for live, it's probably not that big a deal. You probably don't want to use up eight inputs on your mixer for drum parts, but no, no, you know, but for, for studio work it, I can see that being a huge time saver, being able to track all your drums with. Well, well, yeah. I mean, what I, what I ended up doing with the TR eight S and the TR eight was, um, you have four outputs. So you have, uh, uh, you have two mains, like a snare drum and a bass drum. And then you have your auxiliaries, which allow you to have toms and cymbals and percussion. And I've, I've managed to rig it up like that. And it's actually really cool. I, because if I can affect really want to affect my bass drum, uh, maybe throw a compressor on it or, you know, mm. uh, or I want to, you know, affect my snare drum. Of course, you know, you have effects and stuff built into the drum machines themselves. Yeah, but like I'm I'm running a, um, 
uh, I have a UAD satellite and I'm running some UAD plugins and stuff. And it's really nice to kind of throw a, a you know, a, a nice compressor on there and get that bass pumping and, and stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Well, um, most people are going to work in a dock. And that's like, for I've been trying to figure out a way to do live music for a long time. And it's very difficult to, to get it to do what I want it to do. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things I absolutely will be relying on is a computer with Ableton that I'm going to process the sound through. So if, if I can't, if I can't take my snare drum and put a separate reverb on it from the kick, then I can't use that instrument. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yep. I'm going to have to use yeah. a sample or I'm going to have to get more than one machine, you know? So yeah. yeah and that's, and that's what I kind of liked about what they did with that is that I could actually, I can have my bass drum and snare drum separate from the mix. Um, and pan it the way I want and stuff like that. So, I mean, your independent processing off of the machine because you're going to get a better, uh, the, I've heard arguments where oh, you'll get more dynamic range if you don't compress the shit out of everything, all this kind of stuff. And that's probably true. And maybe it sounds different live. I don't know. Cause I haven't played live before, but I, I, I would have a hard time not going into a situation where I'm running stuff through Ableton to process the, the separate tracks that way right 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 i just have this like fear of like no i wanted to sound this way and you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, i've listened to your tra the, the music that you've done some of the tracks you've done and your, your music's awesome dude it is it's awesome okay. um yeah i enjoy it um are you ever going to come out with an album or anything like a full-blown album or well, I kind of did with the the MTGA release. That was like nine or ten tracks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There is, there is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all, all trance, different flavors, and um, yeah. Are you going to do anything new or? Yeah, well, right now I've got uh, like in all my live streams, I'll pretty much show what I'm working on most of the time, and uh, so I have I, I have a track that's basically done. I just I'll probably release that as a single. Uh, but in the meantime, I've been focusing on trying to do remixes this year. So I did a remix of the Mortal Kombat theme song a while back that oh, came yeah, out. Yeah, you did. The best. Oh, yeah, Zach. Zach, you got to hear that. It's actually awesome. It's like yeah, one it of came my out favorite really good. songs. I was super excited when that came, came together really well. And then uh, right now I'm working on some remixing of some Halo music. So, oh, oh, cool. So I'm... <sighs> I'll probably get to trying to do some more production stuff a little later this year or, you know, for, to release or whatnot. But right now I'm, the remixing stuff, I'm just having a lot of fun with. It's a lot of work though, you know? Right. Yeah. The Mortal Kombat track for me to get all of, cause I used all the same game sounds and everything that they used. And I also found that infamous, the very famous scream, the Mortal Kombat scream. So I can make it as authentic as possible. Right. And trying to source all that stuff and, and and also try to figure out like what sense did they use? You know, that's always a fun game to play and you're hmm. usually wrong, you know. So but uh, uh yeah, yeah. it's, all, it's awesome. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I listened to it, man. It sounds really good. No thanks. There's a lot of work in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Um but anyway, yeah, man. Um I know we're coming to the end here. Uh I just uh, wanted to say one other thing too. Um, what do you think of? Uh, I know Mo Model. Have you ever seen any of the Model stuff? Yeah, um, 
the modal, um, they had a few years back, they had a really expensive eight voice analog, I think it was, and a, and a digital synth that were very, very expensive. Yeah, they are expensive, but what's killing me about them now is, um, I was watching on, uh, Sonic state. They just had done a demo of this thing called, uh, it's called the Model Sculpt Synthesizer. Yep, I saw that. It's this little tiny thing. <sighs> you know, like, do we need another little tiny synth? I, I was I'm... just gonna say, <laughs> but you know, they they gonna get it from the other end because their other stuff is so expensive. Everyone's gonna complain about that. So, well, Nick said to, Nick Nick said that it's this is things gonna cost under two hundred dollars. Um, and I heard it. I listened to it, and it's it sounds really good. Um, it sounded pretty cool. It's not like it's reminded me of the Uno, the IK uh, multimedia Uno thing. Although well, that it was, an, that was another one. Yeah, it's kind of like really, guys. Like, why are you doing this? Like, I, you know, I and don't get me wrong. Like, I I I, I so want to get my hands on a Model D, and I want to get my hands on a Neutron. Um, yeah. But that's different, you know. Yeah, I, th- those, you know what I would say is, it's fine. I mean, the, the the target audience or you know consumer, whoever they're targeting for that, is probably not me. And if it if it gets some kid interested in playing with a hardware synthesizer versus a VST, I think that's great. You know. Yeah, yeah. Here's the one you were talking about the uh, the model. Uh, 002. Yeah, I think that's a digital one, and I think there's a 008, which is the analog. And uh, there's some demos online of that 008 that sound amazing. That thing sounds so good. Oh yeah, there it is, the 008. Yeah, well, wow, it's a beast, huh? Yeah, but it's like five grand. So oh, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, it's insane. And the digital one was a lot too. I can't remember how much how much that is, but uh, yeah. I mean, I get it. It, I, it. Well, if it's, di- but even if it's digital, is it? I mean, you know, like Moog, you know, is all it's, it's, it's Moog is like it's all hand wired. It's it's you know it's uh, it's boutique style. You know what I mean? It's like boutique yeah. pedals. It's hand wired. It's built in the United States. Um, yeah. Something like this. I mean, is it the same? Is that why they're charging that kind of money, or is it well made the, in China? Like, what's the deal with it? Well, the thing about analog, especially, is that. Um, there's a lot that goes into making a poly analog synth, which is probably why you haven't seen Moog make one in a long time. Well, there's a um, rumor about that, isn't there? Yes, there is. There's a huge rumor that was on Gear Sluts a while back. Some guy saying that his <coughs> sweet rip was telling him that this Moog one is a is a poly that's going to be like eight grand or something like that. <laughs> you know. So, so I mean, has anybody confirmed that, or is that no? No one knows anything, and uh, it's all we'll find out, I guess, if that's true, at some point, whenever we find yeah, out what the one is. Yeah, because I mean, they came out with the, um, they came out with the, uh, what was it, the uh, the grandmother. Yeah, which looks and sounds cool, but man, why would you name it the grandmother? I don't. I don't... <laughs> I, well, the, well it's like they got this whole thing going like the Mother 32. Like why? I, when I heard the Mother 32, and I love my Mother 32, but when I heard that, I was like, why are we calling it this? 
Well, so um, the, whole, the whole shtick right now, from what I understand, is they're trying to incorporate more females into synthesis. And so they feature, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the videos on the mothers, the mother series of stuff is as uh, women. <coughs> yeah. Roland did that with the TR8S too. Um, so I think that's part of it. And so Moog has taken to even naming the synths, you know, mother, grandmother, that's, you know, feminine, of course. So, well, I also heard that um, because there's another, there was another synth that was the before the D fam, it was the brother from another mother, and but that was built at Moogfest, and I don't, I've never, mm-hmm. I might have saw maybe two videos on it, but it, I think it turned, it basically was the D fam, um, and now there's another one too that they built this year at at Moogfest, the something was it a harmonicon or. Oh, I, don't, uh, I don't think I heard about that one. Oh yeah, it's very strange. You should check it out. Um, <laughs> just go <laughs> onto YouTube and type it in. Uh, just say we'll you know Mo- because their their naming convention has been. You say Mother Thirty Two, you're not going to get that confused with anything, you know. True, <laughs> true. You know, so. Yeah, this one because I forget what it was called. It was like uh, the Harmoniacon. That's what it was. And and what it it's weird, man. It takes like different harmonics frequencies and it morphs them into one another to come up with one frequency. It's like a drone synth, really. Um, very. I, I know guys that are into modular stuff are probably gonna want one of these. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, again, like I never. I I the reason why I got, I got rid of my Pittsburgh modular is because like I just. I never got anything done. I just sat there like patching cables going, okay, this is cool, but I'm, I'm making noise. I'm not really, you know, but then you got guys like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like, uh, HH Noy or, um, mm-hmm. you know, these, these guys are amazing. They, they write entire pieces of music that sound like music. Right. Um, which is extremely difficult to do that way. So yes. that's, that's some respect there. If you can do that, it's definitely not for me. Like modular is not for me. <laughs> yeah i mean i've been on muff wiggler i've been on like when i first bought mine um and i went on and uh you know i i i looked at a bunch of stuff and i think what's it called modular connection um Hmm? and i sat there and and i looked at there had to be four thousand modules and i go what the fuck do i buy like what well yeah that's (laughs) that's the problem because you don't really know and as you get your feet wet like you could realize, oh man, now I need this and this and this. You could spend a fortune on it, I'm sure. And yeah. I'm sure people have. Um, and I get that the appeal of it is that you can basically build your own unique synthesizer with these modules and do some very crazy stuff. Um, my biggest problem is, like you said, time. I don't have the time to mess around with all that. And the other right. part is repeatability. I may want to repeat the patches that I make. So, it, and you're not with the Dude, system you, like that, it's going to be impossible. You, you pull a cable, it's gone. Yep. Yep. I've experienced it. Gone. So, and I, I even put the cable back in the exact same uh, CV connector and everything. Gone. Gone. Yep. So, that, you know, those are my two biggest reasons. I see the appeal in it. I, I'm not saying that somebody who loves modular shouldn't, you know, it's just not. No, you got guys like you got guys like Richard Devine and those guys that are just like, 
yeah that's what they do you know what i mean um but to me it's I, like we've moved beyond the modular stage at some time ago you know i i don't know why it's coming back well i think i think bringing in the ass to me is what it seems like well i think i think what it's what the the appeal to it it, oh here he goes but uh (laughs) let's let's be nice zachy i love vhs no you don't yeah Yeah, let's make cassettes again that's coming back i heard it is Cassettes Ugh. and vinyl are huge again, man. Stop it. It's true. I'm cool with I, vinyl, like, yeah, I remember. I guess most people are still used to listening to shitty MP3s anyway. Probably cassette, probably not that much worse. Well, it's funny because Tascam announced uh, last year that they actually were going to build, and they did, they built two brand new cassette decks because cassettes are coming back. It's funny and that I, you mentioned that Tascam because I watched some guy review that thing, and it's basically just a cheap ass they still don't make a high-end one because i guess the high-end ones that use like metal tapes or you know even like this there's like two or three different tiers of cassettes that i didn't even know about till like last year um but yeah but good luck finding them right and well you can't you can play back those tapes but you can't record them and yeah i don't um, get it it, why would you do that? Like, it, it, if you can get a high quality wave file, you're good. Yeah, exactly. And sure, I, the, the media is like, I guess, having the, the thing in your hand, I get that. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, I know. But um, if, if you're talking about fidelity, you're going to get the best fidelity on your computer with a wave file or some lossless uh, codec, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, just real quick, getting back to the other thing was, you know, with modular is that I think, it, I think it appeals to people who aren't really musicians that they can actually dabble in creating sound and, and, and stuff like that. I think that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, like I said, I dabbled in it, thought it was cool. Still think it's cool. I mean, some of those modular systems are beautiful. Um, well, they look I just, like hell. I love the way they look. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I can't, I can't even imagine like delving in the way, you know, some people have. And then you have these great, you know, these, these guys like, like Clayton from Cell Dweller, you have Trent Reznor, you have Richard Devine, you have these guys that, you know, write music for movies and stuff that use these things, you know, Um, which is cool. But I just, I don't know, man, if it doesn't have, I don't know. I guess if you put it this way, if I had unlimited time and what I was doing was music, I'd probably, I'd probably do, I probably would get into it because I'd have all the time in the world to, to dick around with it. But yeah, well, I mean, you know, like, like, you know, Bo said he would never get into it, but then when, you know, when they gave him like the module boxes and stuff and then like here, right. And then he, he started filling them up and he started playing with them and, you know, he did a cool, actually cool video on creating beats and stuff with it. Um, but then I sat there and I thought to myself, I go, well, my drum machine fucking does that. So I'm like, what? Right. In two seconds. <laughs> like, yeah. You're good. To, you got, you got your to, yeah. I don't have to patch anything. I move a fader and I get a bass drum. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, even, I don't know. There's, there's even some good, like, uh, like I use a plugin called kick Two to, to make kicks with. And that's, that's pretty easy to use. And you can, it's not I like, read about can, that. yeah, it's not like, it's not like, canned there's patches in there that are presets or whatever but you can go in and make your own kicks on that thing 
So you, you, you would probably interested in seeing this. It's a, a new thing that native instruments came out with. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it's uh, here it is here. I just pulled it up. Uh, where is it? They just came out with this thing and well, they had, they actually had their own modular system too, all in a box kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also downloaded this. I was telling Zach this, uh, in the last podcast we did, uh, was it V VS? Hold on. VS. You don't, you don't tell me nothing. <laughs> VCV. Oh yeah. Um, That's the free one. The free modular software. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. I haven't downloaded and installed it yet, but it seems pretty cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, again, it reminds me of the Nord modular. There's all software-based modules. Like I have a little micro yeah, yeah, yeah. modular, which is kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, here it is. It's called Track uh, Track One, Track Zero One. It's a creative kick and bass instrument. Inspire new projects with inventive sound design, sequencing, modulation, mixing, and features, and more features. Um, it's 99 bucks. I like native instrument stuff. So I use a lot of contact stuff. Okay. Um, but I, I just, I think I'm interested in this, this thing, it does kick drums. That's its main thing. Uh, so it's kind of like the kick two thing that you, you're talking about. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. That one's uh, Sonic Academy because the, the kick two is from Sonic Academy. They've got some, okay. they've got some nice software. I have their, I have their synth, uh, the Anna synth as well, which is pretty good cool yeah all right well listen man i could go on and on and on with you this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to um, i'll just have to have you come on my show on my channel how about that that would be awesome man that really would that would be so cool yeah um oh look at this it's telling me that we need to finish our recording look at that's giving me a it's getting mad you, dude it's coming up on two hours it's getting mad yeah it doesn't like that uh, but Marshall, uh, so besides YouTube, where can people check your stuff out, man? Um, yeah, YouTube, uh, MarshallArnold.com. It's Marshall with one L because I'm not the sheriff is what I always say. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, iTunes, that's, all those places. It's everywhere. Dude, that's going to that's gonna be the title of my uh, my podcast. <laughs> cool. I'm not I'm not the sheriff. There it is. That's That's the title right there. Right. <laughs> Uh, but it's been a pleasure having you on, dude. And definitely, uh, we got to stay in touch. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's been great being here. And I'll, you know, I'll reach out to you. We'll, we'll get you on my uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. Be really Thank you, man. You bet. Thanks for coming on. Man. Anytime. Uh, all right, Marshall, you have a good night, man. And, and uh, we'll be in touch. You bet. You guys have a good one, too. Oh, real have quick, day, real quick, just to let you know, I'm going to post this. This usually posts tomorrow on uh, Apple Music, uh, Anchor, Amazon. It goes everywhere, so you can find it anywhere. Perfect. Yeah, well, I'm subbed to you guys on Anchor and also on uh, iTunes, so good. Oh, cool. All right. All right, man, thank you again. I appreciate it. It was a good time. All right, yeah. Later, guys. Later. All right, this, this is Echo Craft saying peace.